This is Trail Tales, a running podcast. Here are your hosts, Sean Soban and David Waters. We'll discuss everything to do about running. It doesn't matter if you're a new runner or an experienced racer. The stories and guests at Trail Tales ARP will keep you entertained. From the trails to the road to the track. If it's running, find it right here on Trail Tales ARP. Run wild! Welcome to Season 3, Episode 18 of Trail Tales ARP. You're in for a special treat this week as we have running coach Eric Boom. He's the founder of Effortless Running and today he shares his three key components to becoming a more efficient runner. Also, don't forget to check out the show notes to get a free copy of Eric's ebook, Effortless Running Secrets, and also the Savvy Shoe Selector. Season 3, Episode 18 of Trail Tales ARP is brought to you by Soban Copywriting content creation for all of your digital and print platform needs. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Trail Tales ARP, or running podcast. Today, we have a very special guest coming to us all the way from Thailand, he is the founder and master coach of Effortless Running, and his name is Eric Boom. Eric, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I, I, I am as well. So let's give our listeners a bit of a background here. So you are a coach and you are the founder of Effortless Running. Um, mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about Effortless Running, how it, how it got started. <laughs> um, well, I, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'll I'll start by uh, telling you where the name came from. Sure. Because um, I was uh, um, uh, my background is uh, PE in sports science. I used to be a PE teacher here in Thailand uh, and um, uh, taught sports science. And I was always coaching because running uh, running is my background and. Uh, I've ventured into triathlons and, and uh, uh, for for a long time actually, uh, but then got back to um, uh, to running as the running scene is quite big here in Southeast Asia. There's a lot of people uh, that join in, and I was coaching uh, one of my friends who and this lady has uh, was coming back from um, a period where she had had two boys, uh, so she didn't quite have her body to herself for a while. Uh, or for a pretty long while, for four years or something. Uh, and then as I was working with her, um, she said, you know, Eric, I don't want to, like, I'm not aiming for, um, to, I, I don't want to win the races. I don't want to, I, I want to just run for joy. And she said, really what's, what's happening is like my running feels clunky and heavy and I don't like it um, and it doesn't feel right. And I just wanted to look effortless like you. And I went, and, and when she said it, I was like, I, I, I paused for a while and I go, I went, can you repeat that? <laughs> and she said, I just wanted to look at look effortless, like the way you run. And I went, wow, I never really, I never thought of it that way, that the way that I run is not the way that other people run. Um, and uh, and I, those words kind of stuck. And uh, that's where, that's where my journey of like the, the diving into like what makes a run effortless really started wow so it was always it was a light bulb moment you weren't expecting it, it almost just kind of ding there it is when she said it it was like 
that's it. That's the, that's the light bulb moment. It's like, okay, she's not like what she, what she wants is effortless, easy, um, like light. And what she's feeling is heavy, clunky and uh, injured. Yeah. And that's not what we want as runners, especially, especially starting out. You don't want to get injured early on because that could right. end your, your running journey pretty quickly. Yep. Totally. So, so you said easy and light. And um, when I first started running, it was back in 2012 and I was on a mission to regain myself because I had put on a bunch of weight from being a former athlete to mm-hmm. having, having light life catch up to you and whatnot. And yeah. it, all st- it all started with me riding my bike and then it got cold in the winter. So I started running right. and, I, and I fell in love yeah. with it. But um, I started listening to podcasts about running too, because I wanted to learn about running. And one of the things I heard early mm-hmm. on um, was a good friend of mine, Jeff Smith. He's in Australia and he has a running podcast. Then, you know, one of the things he had said was your running should be easy, light, smooth, and fast. Yep. And, you know, I've kind of um, tried to, tried to run that way but you've kind of taken it into another level um mm. now now you just mentioned in your previous answer that you realize that not everybody runs like you so i guess right. my question is have you always run with the form you currently have or was this something that you developed along the way um i i like to think that i have <laughs> but to be honest i probably have evolved my uh, my running form uh, as you as your body evolves right and okay. I think I was I was lucky that uh, when I was I grew up in the Netherlands where it was quite a rural part of um, of the Netherlands where if you had to if you wanted to do anything you had to bike ten kilometers to get to a place um, so kind of endurance was kind of built into the day um, and then I and then my football coach at the time because everybody football or soccer everybody plays soccer in the Netherlands uh, he kind of went like Eric you're you're really good at running along the line. Uh, but you're not so good at controlling the ball. So <laughs> why don't you why don't you have a look at the uh, at the local track club? And that happened to be uh, with who would become the person that would become the national coach uh, later on. And and this was somebody who was really big on drills. So we didn't. We, and and I of course from the moment I stepped foot on the track, I loved it, and it was it was that, that was my. That was my turf, um, but we, we never started a session without drills. And it was always we were always doing drills. Um, so I like to think that I used, yeah, that I kind of had a good form um, from a very early age. But I also know that like the idea about form has evolved over time. Right? It used to be if you and people used to comment that they say like, oh, you've got this beautiful long stride, so you're making really big steps, which Nowadays, we're looking at that and going like, mm, "You're overstriding like a lot," uh, and that's not actually as helpful as beneficial. So I guess I kind of moved with time. Gotcha. So you were pretty fortunate in, in that your introduction to running uh, was done in a very structured and, and proper way. Whereas I think yeah. you know a lot of the recreational runners that are probably listening to us right now didn't start that way. We just kind of probably had a had a self mission to lose weight and get healthy and and just stepped out the door and started putting one foot in front of the other not really thinking yeah. much about it and that's how so many of us start right um, that's where we that's where we go like as kids we used to like we used to this is the same lady that that brought me effortless running um she said like i used to be, i used to be able to run so light and and i remember running as a kid um and now i can't do it anymore i've lost it i've lost that form 
Um, and now I'm really struggling with the with why I cannot access that that way of moving that I used to have that was so natural to me. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a bit of a mystery how you know when we're younger we're just kind of natural, and then we get older, and I guess life catches up, and you become less active in in a lot of cases, and your mm -hmm. body kind of trains itself to to really be lazy and and not used to activity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so when I um, when I really started thinking about okay, this is I'm going to make this my profession. So I, I I need to I need to I need to really dive deep into this, um, and it was all, and of course also just a, a passion for me. I started to look and because I was um, because I've been a PE teacher for so long, I've seen a lot of people run. And um, uh, and what I've noticed was that children lose the ability to run when they go into that awkward phase of the in-betweeners, the puberty time, right? When, when their bodies start to evolve, it becomes more difficult to, um, to move. But the ones that run well are simply the ones that keep running. So the more, like, I'm... I was part of the system that, <laughs> that had people, had you know, children sit down, like focus more on their studies, um, like do different, try to, try to make them move, but like, didn't pay that much attention to the act of running. And then as we move away from that, it's just a, like, as so many lifestyle induced illnesses, right? We, that, that when we sit more and more and more, we start to actually forget what it is to run like running is a very um delicate kind of movement uh form yeah as as i've been doing a lot of research lately and it's it's interesting the timing that we connected because i've been kind of um studying running form and, and running efficiency um and and trying to improve my own Mm -hmm. And and it, it it does make a lot of sense. The more efficient you become, the less energy you're going to use. So in theory, right. you should be able to run longer and faster with a more efficient form. So right. um, I was again, I was doing a little bit of uh, pre-show studying on, on yourself, and I found some articles that you have published online. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the articles uh, you wrote was published back in June of 2019. Before before the pandemic started, when right, life was right. life was easy, <laughs> different time um, when you could yeah. just show up to a race, right? <laughs> exactly. So the title was, uh, or the title of the article was "Effortless Running," and in the article, um, you had cited some references um, regarding the high incidence of injuries during mm -hmm. runners who who are training for their marathon in the first mm -hmm. year of training, yeah. and you also and you also cited how overuse injuries are very common amongst rec recreational runners and right. i can definitely vouch for that in a personal <laughs> note because i experienced the same thing when i first started running it was it was and and again i'm taking your words here but it was too much too soon too fast yep so uh, thankfully i didn't let that deter me and i kept going but i wanted to ask you why do you think this is happening we may have touched a little bit upon it um just now but uh mm -hmm. maybe elaborate a little bit more why do you think these injuries are so prevalent right so i, I... So there's two things, I think, right? Like, um, imagine you with all the goodwill in the world and with all the motivation and with all the, um, with all the will in the world, you, you've told your, 
your better half that you're going to sign up for a marathon because you're going to change your life around, right? And right. You, you said, okay, I'm on, I need to get off the couch. I need to, I need to get more active um, because I want to be around for longer, right? That, that's the ultimate goal that, we, that most of us decide to put on our running shoes is we want to make sure that we live a long and healthy life. Um, and then what we do is we go out with this idea that we know how to run uh, because, hey, we are, this, is, this is what makes us human, right? Like everybody knows how to run. Why would you not know how to run? Right. Uh, but then we go and we, or, and, and we, we go and we actually hurt our bodies more than we, than we treat them well, right? And the first time, your body is very forgiving. The first time you'll, you've, you'll co- you come back and you feel really good about yourself. And the second time you go out and it al- already starts a little bit, I feel a little bit harder, and, but you still push through it. And then third time you go out, you really start to feel that ankle already or that niggling pain in your Achilles. Um, and then by the time you've done this, the, the benefits haven't set in yet, but you've already developed an overuse injury because you've been moving in, in the wrong way. You've been moving um, in a way that is not allowing your body to move naturally. So okay. that's, 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 that's one side of the coin. Right. The other one is where, where I think I don't like generic um, training plans. I think they put you on the path of what you mentioned too fat and the terrible twos, I call them the terrible twos, too far, right. too fast, too soon, right? And um, what it means is that, that your body can't handle it yet because you're, you're moving, you're not moving properly yet and you're, you're subjecting yourself to harder runs, trying to stick to the tempo, uh, trying to go probably a little bit faster because you want, well, this is the, our our nature, we want the results quicker than we, th- we, th- we tend to think that we are a little bit better than the training program, right? Um, and, then, and then before you know it, you, you've tried to do the right thing by following a program, but the program is not actually made for you. Um, and and you, need your, you, need your, you need your own program. Yeah, so I, mean, I think that's a very good point. I mean, everybody has different biomechanics, different fitness levels. Um, you know, we all, we come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. So to give, um, a blanket training plan to somebody isn't necessarily going to be the right thing. And, and like you're saying, it could be detrimental to their success in running in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so you take on a lot of clients and, and I like this because, um, you have a firm f- form first approach with your mm-hmm. clients when it comes to running. And I think that's, that's a very um, smart strategy to employ. Back in my younger days, I used to spend a lot of time doing bodybuilding and everything. And I would tell myself to check my ego at the door and don't right. worry about, about how much weight, <laughs> weight I'm lifting. I want to focus on proper exactly. form and then the weight will come. So I think that definitely transitions nicely into running. Yeah. It's, but it's something as, as somebody who's not being coached, it's hard because you fight with your ego and, and you want to go fast and you want to go far. Yeah. But, yeah. but if, and, if you're, go ahead. And you, and you tend to think that you, that you know it, right? Like why, would, why wouldn't you know how to run? Like you've, Ab- been, absolutely. you've been doing that all your life. So, but, but here's the catch. Um, 
that like if you go to a to a decent cross a crossfit uh, gym to into a decent crossfit box they will give you one of the blue pvc pipes right for starters okay. they're not going to put any weights on you they're going just going to go let us let, show us the way that you move and then we may actually give you some weights for that squat but let us show us how you squat or show us how you do this movement right and if you uh, if you go to any swimming pool then <laughs> <laughs> It would be very quiet if they, the first thing they do is, is throw you into the water and say, like, Let, show us how you swim. Like they, th that's just not how that's done. And everybody accepts that when you learn to swim, that you need to do the drills. If you go to CrossFit, you need to, you need to focus on your form first before you can put the load on there. And when you said, like, the form first approach uh, that I have, it's actually part of, a, of a, a, a bigger quote that I often use. It's like form first, volume second, and load or pace third, right, in case of running. So you first build out, you first build good form. On that good form, you can, you can build volume. And then once you have the volume and the, and, the, and, the, and the form, you can start working on your pace. I see. That's that's a that's a great systematic approach to it. I think I would add one caveat before form first, and it would be for the for the runners would be patience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to ask, um, with that in mind, in your experience, how often do you encounter a client that needs help with their running form, as compared to those that you see who are already running with with what you would call a proper form? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so obviously I have, I have my own opinion of what is good form and I try to, um, I've tried to distill that down to the, to the three elements where that, that you should focus on in order to start running properly again. Okay. Um, and, but when, but I see a lot of, obviously a lot of, they self-select, right? People that come to me have already kind of like the lady that I mentioned at the start, have already kind of noticed that there's there's something off in their stride. They, they feel they feel clunky. They feel heavy. They don't feel like it's quite right. Mm -hmm. um, so, so everybody who kind of uh, who I now take on kind of knows that they're going to work with at least three weeks of form training, because um, that's that's how long it takes for the brain to actually rewire uh, on how we run. Um, so the majority of the people that I find know that they need to do something. But I also have coached a couple of really good professional triathletes who think that they, know, they, they run well. But when you point it out to them, when you do a video analysis and when you like, go frame by frame, you go like, wow, you're losing a lot of energy here. And they go, oh, my God, I didn't, I didn't realize. Like, I'm, I make a living off of what I do, and I never actually – broken my run down to this level and that's that was that was fascinating to me to see like okay this is somebody who is fast who's already fast but can still work on that form so there's never really an end to form uh, and the, the the example that i often use is that if you take a football player like ronaldo or messi they work on their fundamentals they work on those short passes uh, not because they're afraid that they're that, that that they 
can't do it. It's like that's the that's the basics. That's it. that's what you need to do. You need to work on your short short game before you can be really good in those long passes and stuff like that. Yeah, I think I think that's a really sound approach um, to running. And, and like you said, even with with high level athletes and competitors, they get there by keeping their foundations sharp. And like you said, it is a lifelong journey, and you, there's always going to be things that you can work on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, that's great. Um, so, because you 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 train and coach so many runners from you know recreational to high level competitors, um, do you notice any common running form problems that pop up more often than others amongst the runners? Yeah, yeah. The, there's there's a few telltale signs <laughs> of uh, of of people that need that that. And it's almost inevitable that when I see somebody, I can I can I can like point out two things uh, immediately. Like one is that most of us tend to have a, a quite a, a stride that is too narrow. Now, if you imagine that you're that you're running along, and maybe you are listening to this as you're running, uh, then have a quick look down at your feet and see if your one foot is in front of the other, if you place one foot right in front of the other, or even cross the midline, right? Uh, and if you wanted to do to do a little self-analysis, just put a just put a video somewhere on a tripod, tripod, and then run at the camera, and then look look back at it and see whether or not you are you're you're placing one foot right in front of the other, or if you're actually crossing that midline um, where you're you're not. If you do that, you now have to like balance, counterbalancing your upper body. Um, and that is a common running form uh, mistake that, uh, that almost everybody makes. And it's, it's quite easy to remedy. Um, if you're running on a track or think of, a tra- of the track lines, they're about one inch wide. Um, and what you want to do is you want to kind of run while you're grazing the sides of that uh, one inch line. So you have a tiny little, tiny little bit of space between your, um, uh, your, the placement of your feet. Does that make sense? Yes, it absolutely does. And, and I'm picturing it in my mind as you're, as you're describing it. And it would seem like, you know, if you are crossing that midline, you're going to be using up a lot of energy with yeah. that motion. It's not going to be very efficient. No, there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's a lot of balancing then going on like a lot of sideways motion that you need to um, that that you need to control, um, and your and your uh, your your leg joints are out of alignment. So you because obviously our hips are going to be hip width apart because they're mm-hmm. fake in our <laughs> in, yeah. in our pockets. And then if our foot is actually placed in front of the other one, or or worse, like crosses over. Now you've got an ankle joint and a knee joint and a, and a hip joint that are not in alignment. So what you want to do is almost like little stick figures. Uh, you, want your, uh, you want your ankles underneath your knees and you want your knees underneath your hips. And, that, and to do that, think of the, the width of a, um, uh, of a track line, uh, the divider line on the track, and just see if you can you know, imaginatively... Uh, graze the sides of the of those lines. That'll be enough. That's, that's you, a great. That's a great simple like tech already, way to fix it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and but it feels like you you've just come off a horse <laughs> the first time that you do it. You I go bet. like, wow, this, 
<laughs> this is not not easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to go back earlier. You had mentioned that, you know, when, when we're children and when we're kids and we're out there running, we kind of know how to do it naturally. And, you know, we're using correct form and everything. And eventually we kind of lose it or we forget how to run properly. Yeah. Um, can you describe a little bit more um, about what you would call natural running form? And I know we talked about yeah. why so many other, so many runners have kind of lost it, but a little yeah. bit more, a better description of what our natural running form is. Okay, so what I consider natural running, and for those to to get to to those three elements of natural running, um, is uh, I, I studied uh, two groups that run really really well, and that's those are uh, obviously the uh, Kenyan, the East African uh, long distance runners, uh, the, the Kenyan runners, and the Ethiopian runners. Like, how do they move? Like, they move they move so graciously. Right, so I, I I looked at a lot of it, lots of images, and like like slowed it down, and went like, what is it that they do? And then it struck me that because they actually run a lot like little kids, or vice versa, little kids run a lot like the East African uh, long distance runners. And then I started looking at uh, at what like okay, what makes what do they actually do? And there's 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 some great other running methods out there that kind of have similar thoughts and ideas and ideologies, but I've, the way that I've worded it is the way that I word it. And I've used three key concepts, um, all, and those are that running is leaning, running is pulling, and running is sweeping. Um, so, and they kind of dovetail nicely with uh, Newton's laws of, of physics. Um, so, what I consider a good runner is somebody who leans with from their ankles. So if you imagine that you're being pulled up on a silver string, uh, so you're standing nice and tall uh, in, a, in, a, in a runner's position, shoulders rolled back, head up neutral, then what a lot of runners do if, uh, if they, they hinge from their hips, but you, you, you want your hips to be aligned, even actually pushed a bit more forward and you want to lean from your ankles. So that's one thing that you, that you want to be, that I will, I'm looking for in a runner. Okay. And then secondly, uh, when I look at somebody's stride, I look at how much space do they create uh, for their leg swing. And you, you, you've obviously, you, we've all seen those images of, the, uh, of, of Bekele and Kipchoge who almost look as if they lift their foot up towards their buttocks and then just stride out, right? If you look at, at Mo Farah, like he, he it, it, when he pulls his leg up, it almost looks like he, uh, like he puts his, uh, his shoe like right up to his buttocks. And when you look at how uh, us mere mortals run, uh, <laughs> we tend to kick backwards. Uh, yeah. If in if you if you had a coach ever who said like okay for warm ups just do some butt kicks, right? You you probably put your hands behind uh, behind your butt and you try to kick your butt with your um, with the heels of your of your shoe, right? Keeping mm -hmm. your knee really really low. So that's not the way a runner runs. That's not how Kipchoge runs. What he does is he pulls his ankle up, and 
so that's the second that's that's the second element is that instead of thinking that you have to fight against something and that you have to push against something and that you have to kick back you actually all you do is engage those hip flexors more by just simply pulling your foot straight off the ground and all of a sudden you change your whole concept of of running now now it's not a fight anymore now you're not fighting gravity but you're just working with gravity that uh, that makes so much sense i guess the challenge there is to again relearn how to do that um, yeah you know you talk about engaging the hip flexors more um mm -hmm. what kind of what kind of drills would you typically you don't have to give us all of them but what you know what would be your go-to drill um for strengthening or, or conditioning the hip flexors so that you can utilize them better while oh. you're running there's um, so they're all available on my YouTube channel. So wonderful. <laughs> go, go, go and have a look there because I, I do I do these weekly running form tips where like every week I just bring out a running form tip and they're mostly geared towards like correcting one thing or another. Um, but the one that I would uh, so if I have a workshop and I try to some I try to make somebody feel like what it is to pull, I want you to just stand straight up. Um, and, and then put your arms along uh, uh, along your side, and what you do is you 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 pull your leg up, you pull one leg up along your stance leg, um, so just up so that you can touch it with your uh, with the tips of your fingers, so that you can touch your ankles with the tips of your fingers. So it's called the ankle tap drill. So okay. You're just, you're just standing standing in front. It feels like you're almost marching on the spot. Um, but what you're then doing is you are, instead of not engaging the hip flexor and kicking backwards and keeping your knee low, you're forced to drive your knee out. So you're starting to get that nice knee drive that you see a lot of sprinters have, right? It's, it, it's hard to run with bad form if you're running really, really fast. So these the, the, over a short distance, sprinters have a really good running form. Uh, otherwise, it wouldn't be that fast. Um, but for us distance runners, that's not a great model to adopt because we can't, we simply can't hold that speed for very long, right? But we can do, we can learn from there. And another, and one of the sprinting drills that I really like, that I often recommend, is called the quick isolation drill, where you quickly pull your foot up and then you practice the third element of the sweep into into it and that that one is a little bit more complicated than the other two like the leaning and the pulling mm -hmm. uh, we kind of get that right? like i can get you to do that within within an uh, a 30 minute workshop or an hour's workshop but the sweep is uh, is a little bit more complicated but with anything uh, that's where the real gold is and if you can if you can incorporate that in your stride then you then you really start to feel the power that's great so with with all those three steps you can really unlock your potential yeah 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 i when i when we get to that part i often uh because i work with triathletes so much um i i often uh i often use the analogy like oh do you remember the first time you got onto a time trial bike with clip-in pedals right, right. and i don't if you i don't know if you've ridden clip-in pedals but i'm i'm uh, I'm just going to assume that you have. <laughs> and then if you're on a normal push bike, you're just pushing, 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 pushing all the time. And it's like one leg works and one leg doesn't. But if you're on different pedals, like all of a sudden you, you have that much more power because you push and pull at the same time. And that's the same with the sweep. It's like you, uh, you, 
you it's a very subtle mo uh, movement but what it does is as you bring one leg back underneath your center of mass the other you're you're almost catapulting the other leg forward so it, really without effort you're getting maximum maximum benefit of the spring load into your uh, uh, into your run it sounds wonderful it's a great description eric we're going to take a real quick break and then we'll be right back all right You're listening to Trail Tales ARP with our guest, Eric Boom. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We've got Eric Boom, founder and master coach of Effortless Running, speaking to us from Thailand. And we're discussing um, running form and how to kind of correct mistakes that you are doing with your running that are making you less efficient. We're trying to make ourselves better runners here with our discussion with Eric. So, Eric, um, you just finished discussing the three kind of key components to how you coach runners um, with the let's see if I can remember here. It was <laughs> the <laughs> the pulling, the sweeping and the third one. It's on the tip of my brain. Why don't you fill it in for me? I think of the Tower of Pisa. Lean. There you go. <laughs> See, that's why you're a good coach. You bring the best out of the people you're with, right? <laughs> so um, as we were talking about transitioning into a different running form and a, and a more efficient running form, um, in your opinion, would it be harder for an experienced runner who's been running for some time to become an effortless runner as compared to a novice runner? Yeah, that's a very good question. I, <laughs> um, I, I like to think that it's easier for the novice runner because they're they're not they haven't um, they haven't ingrained these these wrong patterns in into their neuromuscular pathways. Right? Um, but on the other hand, the uh, the 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 experienced runner has the tenacity and the, the kind of grit and the, that, that a novice runner often lacks. But let's put it this way. I, I really like to work with people who say like, who kind of throw their hands up and say, I have no idea. Just tell me because I, I did whatever I've tried is certainly not working. Um, so that, in that can in that case, it's a bit like a, an iterate. Uh, of course, every time you try to adapt uh, your form, it's a bit of an iterative process. So it's one step back to go two steps forward. Um, so when people start with me, um, I often get the question like, "Oh, I really want to change my form, uh, but my half marathon is four weeks from now. Like, can I change?" Can I change my form in the next uh, in the next three weeks? And I said, yes, you can. But form and fatigue are inversely related. So you have to, for three weeks, you have to give me, uh, you have to promise me not to do too much running because you are fully focused on transforming your run. So the 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 actual for the first three weeks of my program are always um, scares. Uh, experienced runners because it's got so little volume like the long run is two and a half k <laughs> and uh, uh, 
and then and then people go like, oh my god, I'm gonna lose my fitness. Like I I, I can't have this because, and this is why why COVID was actually quite a, um, a, a nice opportunity, um, if, if for people being in lockdown but still able to to go out for a run. It was a really good opportunity for people to try and work on their form because there was no race anyway. Um, and so I got a lot of people saying like, okay, now I've got the time. Like now tell me what it is that you want me to do because now I feel okay with dropping the weekly volume. Um, and yeah, that's why that's a long answer to saying I like yeah. both. <laughs> no, no, it's true. And, it, and it's a great answer. And you, and you bring up a really great point with, with everything being canceled right now. And I've, I've mentioned this in the past. It, it, it is a great time to experiment with your running um, and training plans and all that other type mm. of stuff. But yeah. now, what better time to kind of change your change your form um, and improve, right? Because yeah. I think you kind of touched on it. Um, when, when somebody's initially adopting a new form, you might experience a, like a temporary decrease in their performance, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess in your opinion, like that initial that initial dip in performance because you are relearning and there's you know you're working your body differently how long mm -hmm. will it typically take for um the bounce back and when you do yeah. bounce back you know can you expect to perform better than you did at the beginning before you started yeah so uh so when am i going to hit my pb right yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> that's what we want to know um yeah so i I would say with probably within, so it's a double-layered answer. Uh, one is it, you need you need about two to three weeks. After, usually after about two weeks, of, when people really follow that the, the, the program, when they say, okay, I'm not going to go out for uh, that, that long base pace run because, uh, because and I'm just not going to put it on my uh, training peaks or on my Strava so that Eric sees it. Uh, <laughs> if you really do the program, uh, there's very little running. But you, but you change your motor neuron pathways really, really quickly. Our brains are really, really quick to pick up that long-lost running form that we all have, that is an innate ability of us, but that we've just forgotten how to use um, with time passing. So usually within two weeks, people say like, ah, now it clicks. I felt it. I just can't do it for more than 400 meters, but uh, in those 400 meters, I know what you're talking about when you're talking about the lean and the pull and the sweep. Mm -hmm. So that's great, right? And then, but then, then I know like, okay, this person's got it. Um, what then needs to happen is that the body takes a little bit more time to physiologically adapt to the new situation. So when I was saying that, oh, you, you have to start using your hip flexors a little bit more, um, you need the body just needs about six weeks to um, to actually grow the muscle, right? To actually start using the hip flexors the way that it uh, they have intended to. So, right. I would say somewhere between two and six weeks, you'll probably uh, you'll probably experience a little bit of a decrease in your performance. But the good thing is that after that when all your joints are aligned and when you're running properly and when you have this beautiful symphony of movement, now you can start accelerating much faster than you could before. So, um, so 
um, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of the listeners uh, are familiar with the 10% rule uh, that you know, increase your mileage by 10% per week, right? Um, yep. That is a very conservative uh, and very useful guideline. Um, but when you know that your alignment is good and that your joints and muscles can handle the load, um, now you can actually exceed that 10%. Um, and build much faster. Uh, and so what you've lost in the first six weeks, you will have regained in the, in, in the four or five weeks after. And then from there on, it's like you're, you're off, right? You're, 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 hitting, uh, you're hitting your personal best. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's very exciting to think about, by the way. Um, so let's, let's move on. I want to ask you another question. And your opinion on, I guess sometimes it can be a controversial topic, but I don't think it really has to be, is is the heel strike versus the midfoot strike. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is, is there is there a better strike? Is is one better than the other? Is one going to be, you know, um, more dangerous for you, I guess, in terms of uh, uh, increased incidence for injuries and whatnot? Injuries. What, are your, what are your thoughts? So uh, for me, it's almost a non-issue. Because okay. if you if you adopt uh, the lean, the pull, and the sweep, you you will find it very very hard to heel strike. Um, people often start out as a heel striker, but then after one or two weeks, they feel like, oh, I've lost that I've lost that heel strike because my foot strike is now underneath my center of mass. I've transitioned to like a midfoot or a, a, a ball of your foot striker, and and now I'm dropping onto the ground as uh, as my my foot lands, um, and so the the issue of heel striking kind of disappears once you once you try and uh, keep to the uh, keep to the concept of the of the of the effortless running essentials. Um, okay, but I would I will say if you that if if you are a heel striker, um, that usually uh, that that's usually accompanied by overstriding okay and, and overstriding landing on your heel with a with an extended knee often uh, is associated with a lot of hip issues so if you have if you feel like you need a hip replacement every time you've gone out for a run chances are that you overstride and are a heel striker okay so for somebody who who wants to run for you know a good majority of their life, um, maybe transitioning would, would help them, um, be capable of doing that because I, I do agree with you there. Uh, I started off as a heel striker and, and that's when I had a bunch of issues and it was mm-hmm. part, partly terrible twos, I think partly the heel striking and just not knowing what I was doing. And, uh, right. I ended up, you know, transitioning to kind of a midfoot and, you know, um, found, found a lot easier, um, to run and, and I haven't had any real, um, big hiccups or, or post run pains since I kind of did that. So, but, uh, like you said, there's definitely work to be done for everybody. <laughs> right. And, we, yeah. and one, one thing again, like the shoe industry has, uh, has obviously picked up on this trend and, and, yes. uh, has all these nice high stack kind of marshmallowy kind of, uh, um, soles uh, that they've produced. Um, and you can run 
if you're not if you if you don't want to be bothered with like trying to train change your running form and you say like this works for me like by all means go, go keep doing that right and say sure we're not, we're not forcing you to change your form but we know biomechanically that you drive so much force into your hip joints mostly um when you when you have that extended foot position and or sorry extended leg position and that and and that heel strike like it's it's just like the, the 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 amount of impact that your body gets from from a run is uh, is 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 so high that you probably you probably want the right body um, the, the right muscles and tendons who are able to absorb the they're, they're nice and flexible you want those to absorb the load and not the the kind of static joints. Um, that's that's always my my big issue when I say when I see people say like oh just leave me just leave me be and yeah. like, don't talk to me about form I'm I'm just enjoying my run it's like, yeah that's fine that's totally fine like please please enjoy the run that's what, that you have that's why we want we want joy in running um, absolutely but, but but I also still want to be having joy in running when I'm 80 exactly exactly and i think you hit the nail on the head um you know if you're a heel striker and you have no intention to change the way you run then like you said go ahead and have fun and enjoy the run but you know this isn't just your opinion there's a lot of science to back back this up in regards to the mechanics mm. of our body and and the the impact it does have on our joints and and, and the rest of our like skeletal and muscular system right right and, yeah. it, and it doesn't it doesn't take much to change it that's the that's the other thing that <laughs> you also kind of want people to like, shake people and go. It, it take three weeks out of your life, right? Take yeah. three weeks out of your running journey to start changing this form, and and you you'll your body is gonna thank you for it for the rest of its life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't see how you can go wrong with that. So you you had mentioned shoes and and the running industry, and you know. I, I don't claim to be an expert at all, but, you know, one of the shoes earlier on that I was introduced to were, were the ultra shoe and, mm -hmm. the, you know, they have the zero, zero drop from heel to toe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but more importantly for me, cause I've got pretty wide feet. I love the wide toe box that they offer right. and yeah. it's, it's just much more comfortable. Um, I also, I also run a new balance. I have, um, the the minimum shoe that i run with uh on the trail pretty much um not as much cushioning but again i find the toolbox is, is pretty good a little bit narrower but still comfortable um and i mean shoes can be you know personal i guess and um they're not you know um people are going to have different preferences for shoes and whatnot and comfort and everybody's got different sized feet but right. um you know um when it comes to shoes what what's the most important aspect um of a shoe to consider when you're when you're selecting a running shoe. Um, actually, I wrote a, a, a booklet on that that you uh, that I hope we can share in the show notes for your listeners or something. Absolutely, um, that'd be great. And it's called the the Savage Shoe Selector. And what they uh, what what they found uh, in numerous studies was uh, that the shoe that fits that feels best for you mm -hmm. is usually the one that is the that actually is the best for you. It's, it's, wow. it's that simple. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, and, and it's easy to get lost in this, uh, in this sea of like, you step into a shoe store and it's, it, you see all these, uh, it's like an assault on the senses, right? 
<laughs> you have rows of shoes and they're all like brightly colored. Um, uh, so you, 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 it's easy to get lost, but if you stick to a few uh, guiding rules, then it's quite easy to net, to zone in onto, on the shoes that are good for you. So the first, the, what you first want to do is make sure that you know what type of arc you have. Um, if you're a high arc or if you're a, a flat footed or if you've got a neutral arc and it's very easy to do what's called a, a wet test for that is that you just uh, um, you you have wet feet and then you go and stand on a piece of paper um, and then you wait for five seconds and then step off and then you see what kind of pattern your shoe your your foot makes and that kind of that determines whether or not you that you need more stability in your shoe or not um and if you don't need uh, motion control, control shoes um then you can you can already discard like one third of the pile of the shoes in the in the shoe store so that's good yeah um, and then and then you go kind of go on to where you want to uh uh where you want to go next like what 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 are you looking for are you looking for a trail shoe are you looking for uh a lot of drop are you looking for uh, a big cushion are you looking for a minimalist shoe are you looking for a wide toe box like what you were saying um then it then it pretty much comes down to personal preference okay um and what kind of shoe are you running in currently um i'm a big fan of saucony okay um, i love uh i love that they've just come out with that uh endorphin uh kind of the trying to uh um to see if they can compete with the uh, with the Nike Vaporflies um, yep. and the next percent. So um, I'm, I'm very keen on uh, running on those. Um, but the shoe that I often actually end up recommending to people is uh, the Newtons. Um, okay. Because they have this, they've, they've, they've done something very clever. They've, they've, on the, on the, underneath the ball of their foot, they have, I think it's called an exoskeleton or something. Uh, okay. But they have these extra paddings where you're where you should land. So the the, the, the shoe is a little bit thicker uh, where you should land, and that kind of promotes a the right running form. So so I think that's a that's a brilliant idea. It's just marketing wise, I'm not sure if it's such a good such a good thing because if you're a, a beginning runner, if you're an emerging runner, it's those those marshmallowy shoes that I talked about, um, yeah. they they look a lot more attractive <laughs> than that weird looking shoe with the with the, the thick layer on the on the on the balls of the feet. So, yeah. but, but actually, if you yeah, if you're keen on running well, then that then that should should be the shoe that people should be running on. Awesome. So kudos, um, kudos to uh, to Newton. Even yeah. Though, that I'm not being sponsored by them. <laughs> no, no, yeah, there's no sponsors here either. But that definitely piques my interest. I'm gonna look look into those shoes and and see what they look like. Yeah, um, sure. yeah. One last question on shoes. It's very serious. Um, I don't know. I know you're a very highly qualified coach, but I don't even know if um, you'll be able to answer this one. Um, what is the fastest color of running shoe? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, being from the Netherlands, written is obviously orange. Orange. Uh, <laughs> neon. Neon is. Uh, no, don't wear. Don't wear black socks. That's the only thing that I know. <laughs> <laughs> don't wear black socks. They don't wear black socks. 
too much wind they, resistance on the black they, they, just make, they just make you look slow yeah that's it <laughs> no, no horizontal stripes and no black socks perfect <laughs> rules rules to live by <laughs> exactly. um, that's great so eric um getting into your personal running yourself um you recently completed the everesting run challenge yeah um can you tell us for, for those of us that aren't familiar with the challenge um a little bit about it yeah um Okay, so I, I, for, off the bat, I'm not gonna. I, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Okay, um, uh, but it's it's a really cool challenge, and um, um, it origin. So it's you pick one hill, and you do as many reps of that one hill in one session uh, to get to the height of Everest. Wow. And so, how, how high is Mount Everest, just for those that So Mount Everest is, uh, I know it in meters, not in feet, uh, so sorry, uh, but it's uh, 8,848 meters. Uh, okay, so you roughly multiply that by three. Yeah, 27,000 feet. 27,000 feet, something like that. It's pretty tall. It's a lot. And so you, you, you try and climb the altitude of Mount Everest, uh, the height of Mount Everest in one go. So you'll get a Strava section that, that just looks like a sawtooth, right? Um, because yeah. you're going up and down and up and down and up. And it has to be one hill. So it can't be a nice scenic route uh, where you over time accumulate uh, that much elevation. It has to be one hill and it's brutal because it's, it's, it's pretty mind numbing to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, it, it actually originated more as a cycling um, uh, cycling challenge, and uh, I think a lot of uh, a lot of people nowadays are doing it as a virtual uh, Everesting challenge on on Swift. Um, okay. And the New York the New York Times re, uh, last week had an article uh, on it. Um, and so for cycling, it's a little different. Um, you again, you pick one hill, um, and then you do as many reps. Um, until you hit, get the height of Everest, um, but with uh, but you have to go down and you can like as you as you go down with the bike you kind of uh, you kind of free pedal right and you, 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 you spend no energy and you kind of recover a little bit. When yeah. you're running, you can't do that. So if you you can do so, what they did was for the run challenge, you can uh, do it assisted or you can do it unassisted. So you're more than welcome to run down that that hill that you're doing. Um, but that makes the challenge a lot harder. And we, my, my buddy and I, we decided after the first training said, we're doing this assisted, we're going to get a car that is going to drive us. Somebody's going to have to drive us down because we're not, we're not running down. That's, that's, uh, that, that was a bit too much for us with the, uh, with the amount of preparation that we had for it. Oh yeah. That seems, uh, seems like a wise decision. Um, so this, <laughs> yeah. this is, this is a pretty, um, small group of people that have actually completed this, this challenge on foot. Yeah, I was surprised. It's a, like, I was surprised to, first of all, to learn that there's, uh, there's a little over 10,000 people that have done it on the bike. Okay. But then, but then we learned 50 people, uh, who've done a running everything challenge. And, uh, and that, that really, uh. Yeah, that re that that really made us stop and wonder. Um, yeah, uh, and actually, uh, I'm a little bit proud to be honest. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, I was... and the um, 
the, the added benefit that we had, or the, the added bonus for us, was that we, uh, uh, Mark, uh, Gillette, my friend and I, uh, that we were the first ones in Thailand to uh, complete the challenge. And then you get the uh, kudos of uh, uh, coloring in the map on the, the virtual map on the, on the website. So that that is a... Uh, that's now our claim to fame. Oh, wonderful. Well, you know what? That, that, that is a great accomplishment. So congratulations from me to you and your friend. That's, a, that's quite amazing. Thank you. Um, yeah. yeah, I think the only hill we have here in Ontario that would be considered a hill, they call it Blue Mountain. It's up in a, um, a skiing community just north of me by about 45 right. minutes. And I was just looking up its elevation. It's 220 meters to the top. So, I mean, a lot of people would consider okay. consider that a hill, but it's it's all we've got here in Ontario yeah. with our rolling landscape. But uh, I've been there a few well, times for a, some trail runs. It's pretty nice. That's actually the height that we. So our Strava segment. It has the oh yeah. One of the rules is it has to be a known Strava segment oh, okay. that you are um, that you're doing. But obviously, you can you can make this Strava segment first. This is and true. Then, and then run it. Um, but so we chose a section that was uh, 980 meters long, and it had an elevation of um, 200, 219, I think, or 230, I can't remember. Um, so not far off from the hill that you're describing, uh, except for our, ours was we chose, a, uh, we purposely chose a, a very short and steep hill um, so that we didn't have to do uh, that much, um, that much distance. So, if anybody ever is uh, trying to, th if contemplating this, uh, then then I don't know what you're doing. But <laughs> but yeah, welcome to the club. No, and uh, it was it was actually I really in the moment I I really enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed the challenge. Looking back at it, I was, I, I'm like, why did I do that? Um, but actually, it was. Uh, it was when finishing that was was pretty fulfilling. I bet. But the one 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 piece of advice that I would have for people is to not go more than uh, forty miles in distance, um, because then it becomes then it becomes an ultra in in distance wise, and it becomes an ultra in in vertical. So choose one or the other. Like choose. I we we chose to do a steeper section of. I think it was a 22% gradient yeah. uh, that it worked out to. Um, and, um, and that's steep. So we, th there were parts that we definitely couldn't run. Um, but there was, uh, uh, but that made that we only had to do the distance of a marathon. Right, right. So you were looking more for Which the vertical anyways, you know. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's, that's the only thing that matters in that challenge. Um, yeah. Why make it hard? As, 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 it has to be. Yeah, and you can do it. Go do a hundred miler and get that get the vertical, but then then you just you're depleting all your sources, and it turns into a really long day. Like it, yeah. it, we did it in eighteen hours, and uh, I was uh, I was I was done by the end of it. I, I can imagine. I can imagine. Is it too soon to say you do it again? <laughs> um, that, so as your name comes up in the hall of fame it shows you which badges you don't have oh really so, <laughs> motivation right and then and it's just I, I couldn't help but seeing like my eyes drifted towards that oh there's a yeah now i have to do it on the bike <laughs> so oh. i will uh i will at some point do that yeah 
Oh, that's great. But well, if, sure. if you do, we'll have to get you back on the show and we'll have to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell me how clinically insane I am. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, Eric, yeah. in terms of, of your running while we're talking about that, uh, I know you had mentioned to me that you, you've run ultras in the past. So uh, just briefly, mm -hmm. how many ultras have you run in total? And if you can give us a description of what it was like to run your first ultra and how you felt. Uh -huh. um, yeah, so I think I've done, uh, if, if so ultra is anything more than a marathon, right? right? And yes. it's usually on trail. So uh, I've done a bunch of 50 kilometer ones, but I've own, only, um, I've done five 100 kilometer ones, uh, but and I've never done a hundred miler. So well, my my goal is to see if if my next 100k goes really really well, then I think I'm ready to step up to a hundred miler. That's my that's my personal aim or my personal achievement. Um, my very first uh, 100k was. Um, uh, was here in Thailand, uh, two hours north of Bangkok, in a, um, in a uh, national park called Khao Yai, and it was the North Face 100, a really stunning course, a really well-organized race. Uh, so if you ever want to go for a destination trail run, uh, that, that one is uh, definitely, I would highly recommend it. Um, and I, that one, I actually enjoyed every single step of it. Um, I, I, I think I was on a runner's high from the very first kilometer onwards. Um, and, and it was just the idea of I'm going to go twice as far as I've ever gone before. Um, and the only way for me to do this well is if I keep my mind uh, in a very positive state. So I, I, yeah, I, I was I was looking for that runner's high, and I think I found him pretty quickly. And I must have I, I must have completed the entire course with a smile on my face because I, I, I really really uh, tried to keep it as positive as as possible. Yep. Um, and uh, the what I what I didn't realize that I was it was a very zen and very like. Uh, uh, a mindful experience um and i had one mantra in my mind that i i just kept and uh and and um i can't think of the book right now but uh i i kept saying to myself like every time I, my my mind starts to wander i need i'll tell myself like what what's the time and then the t the, my answer would be the time is just now and where am I? And it's not like, oh, don't let your mind drift to how it would feel like when you finish or what, how much pain you're going to have to suffer through. Mm -hmm. um, just, just say, when, where am I? I'm right here. Like this, this step, this next step is the only one that matters. Just stay in the uh, moment. So stay in the moment. I, was, the, the, I, yeah. I must have said that probably as many steps that I took. Uh, <laughs> And so where am I? I'm here. What time is it? The time is now. I, I kept repeating that to myself. Um, and then uh, and then all of a sudden I was there. I, was, I completed the 100. Amazing. What, what a great experience. If, and if you could bottle that experience and sell it, you'd probably be a very rich man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was it was a, it was an awesome experience, uh, except I also had a, uh, 
I don't, I could really see that day. I, I, I really saw what the power of the mind can do mm-hmm. because I was so focused on like keeping it positive, keeping it positive and, and staying in the moment that I think five minutes after I crossed the finish line, I was in the uh, first aid tent, the medical tent, because my, my, my body was not able to thermoregulate itself anymore. And it was, of course, here in Thailand, it's usually pretty hot. Yep. So during the day, it got, it got uh, nice and warm. Um, but by the time I'd finished at four in the afternoon, I was, uh, I, I was shivering. I, was, I, 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 could not, uh, I, I, I could not keep myself warm. And then for the entire night after, uh, it was like going from hot to cold, hot to cold. It was, it was a real intense experience. <laughs> I, I, I did, um, yeah, that, maybe that made more of an impact on me than, the, uh, than actually finishing the 100K. It was like what, what my body did after and how it tried to like uh, regain the status quo, the, the homeostasis. Yeah. Uh, that was, it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty trippy. <laughs> I can I can only imagine. I mean, I've I've had a few experiences where you you know you're shivering, you can't get warm, or you're trying to um, you know, like you said, achieve homeostasis, but nothing to the degree that you just um, shared with us. That sounds that sounds pretty crazy. Um, Eric, it's yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not sure if I'm giving, <laughs> if I'm giving if I'm being a good uh, ambassador for uh, for ultra right for thing. <laughs> well, I, I guess that's the price that you have to pay to have um, that Zen-like runner's high for almost a hundred kilometers. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eric, this has been a great, uh, very informative conversation. I want to thank you so much uh, for agreeing to come on to the show. Um, now, Thank be- you for having me. It's uh, been really, really cool. Absolutely. Um, so um, just before we go, I wanted just to touch up on a few other things. So you've given me and our audience a very uh, wonderful gift. Um, you have an, an ebook entitled Effortless Running Secrets. And you've shared yes. that link with me, which I'll be putting into the show notes. Um, awesome. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that before we go? Well, that's um, that's where I've tried to like the the whole the conversation that we've had. Um, a lot of that, a lot of those ideas and the thoughts behind the effortless running method and where it comes from and the and the uh, the scientific backing is in the effortless running secrets, um, and it explains and it goes into detail about the the six drills that you can do. To um, to turn your run more effortless, to go actually to actually go from to to revive that that the running form that is already inside you, but that you just haven't managed to bring out again yet, right? So how how to get like a there's an analogy in the book where uh, there's a wild horse analogy, like wild horses use four different gates in, in the wild and they never lose it. But if you put a, uh, a horse in a stable and keep it there and never take it out to trot or canter or uh, there's two other ones, gallop and walk, I think, um, other ones, then it will lose its ability to canter. And we're, we're not unlike the, uh, the, the horses. So um, if we don't run, we forget how to run. We lose the ability to run. Um, so that that description in the book is like for those people who are 
um, who I've piqued their interest into like, hey, can I achieve uh, a more effortless running style? Uh, they will want to have a look at that book and, uh, and see what it's all about. Well, wonderful. And thanks to you, we all have access to that now. So that's great. And uh, don't forget, you've also given us the Savvy Shoe Selector booklet, which will also be in the show notes. So if you're listening, yeah. uh, definitely check those out. It's going to be well worth your time. Um, Eric, uh, another question just before we go again. Um, with your coaching, do you coach in person only or do you offer online coaching? How does that work? And where can people no, so find you? Yes, how can you find me? Well, type in Effortless Running <laughs> and any type of social media, uh, you will get now. The easiest way to get to uh, me is obviously through the website www.effortlessrunning.com um, and or Facebook, uh, Facebook or LinkedIn uh, or Strava. Um, those are usually the ones that I'm most active on and then just search for Effortless Running. Okay. And you did mention um, your YouTube channel as well. That would just be under effortless running. Yeah. Yes, correct. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, and, uh, but what I've done is, so that three week program, the, the three weeks essentials that I keep talking about uh, to retrain your brain. I've actually, um, uh, I've actually managed to like multiply myself in, in that tense that I, uh, I've put that into a, uh, a three-week course on Training Peaks that you can uh, access and you can enjoy it from every, everywhere in the world. Uh, and it's me on with like video guided sessions for you to do. Um, so most I've got a lot of clients in North America um, that actually have never seen me, but have but look at all these videos and then see how they progress. But the good thing about that that three week program is that because it's on training peaks on a platform called training peaks, I actually see what you've done. If you have a sports watch, like most of your listeners will have, then I, I can see the, the workout that you've done and I can see, and, and that's our, that's our way to communicate. So uh, what I like about this, what I like about this method is that a, it gives you the chance to learn remotely uh, and learn through like watching the videos, uh, but then it has the backup of you uploading your Garmin data or your Sunto data or whatever watch you're using. Um, and then your coach, me, sees it on the other side of the world and can give you feedback and you can ask questions. So that's, uh, that's really the way that I like to work. Amazing. It's great that technology can uh, bring us all together. Oh, that's awesome. Like this, like, yeah. can you imagine like 10 years ago, this would have not been impossible. And now I, I, I joke, I, I can see why, why I can see why my clients take a break to go to the bathroom. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, you didn't, you stopped your watch and you were, you were gone for a minute. So you, you must've gone to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. That'll definitely, <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a way to keep somebody honest though. There's no, there's no slacking in the training plans now. <laughs> Coach Eric is watching. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm there with you. <laughs> yeah. All right, Eric. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I'm going to give you our customary saying here um, before we leave. And that would be to run wild. Thank you. Thank you a lot. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Trail Tales ARP. If you like our show, please help us out by subscribing to our show so you don't miss any new episodes. Also by leaving us a review. And please visit TrailTalesARP.com where you can get even more content. 
You can also follow us on Instagram at trail underscore tales underscore ARP on Facebook at trail tales ARP. See you next week.